Hello, and welcome to Magic is Real, a podcast focused on exploring the fascinating world of near-death experiences, communication with spirit, and all things metaphysical and spiritual. The mission of this project is to share messages of hope and inspiration with others, and to spread the word that death is only an illusion. Thank you for being here with an open heart and mind. I wish you peace, light, and love always. Hello, Magic Israel listeners. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm so happy to be back after a two-week trip to Costa Rica. Uh, thank you so much for, for waiting. I know that you all waited patiently while I was gone. Um, I'm really excited to start off this, I guess I'm going to call this a new season um, because of the hiatus. And I am here today with Jeanette Biro. She is a medium. She is a channeler, a musician. Um, and I also want to have her tell you more about what she does because she's also a near-death experiencer, but she's also in the business of spiritual coaching. So first of all, I just want to say welcome, Jeanette. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That sounds like a really great intro. Like, who is that? Uh, I know who's that. That's not me. <laughs> cool, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. When you put titles behind you, oh, so fancy. I know, right? Oh, okay. So, well, I'm very excited to talk with you because I have like a thousand questions already, but I would love to start off by having you introduce yourself because mm -hmm. how do you see yourself in terms of what are you all about? Um, what is your business? How do you help other people? And mm -hmm. what is it that you are in the business of? doing or experiencing yeah fair so I mean I like to consider myself a pretty normal person and I, I know my husband would laugh right now if he was here he'd be like yeah <laughs> okay sure sure um but I'm a mom I've got two kids I went to university got my kinesiology degree and thought I was just going to go down that really like traditional helping and healing through secondary stage rehab like I had it all planned out right at the same time I was working on my singing career but all my life in the background was always this piece to do with spirit. But the thing is, is I didn't grow up in a family of mediums or psychics or healers. The closest I got was my mom was a nurse, but again, this was traditional nurse, right? In a hospital. So we didn't have any of that kind of real out of the box thinking. Um, so I didn't grow up understanding what was happening to me. I had to try and figure out what was happening to me from Hollywood movies that terrified me, right? Like I remember when The Sixth Sense came out, I was so drawn to watch it. I wanted to watch it so bad, but I was equally so terrified to watch it because the way they portrayed it is not always so accurate, even though some ways it is, in some ways it's not. It's not, a, it's not as scary as it seems, right? To see spirits, but it can be as vivid. But anyway, so I, I fumbled my way a lot through, um, my years growing up. And so I say all of that to say that finally, uh, it was in my early 20s that I think my guides had had enough of my fumbling and the different times where things would happen and I would explain myself out of it, that it, it wasn't what it actually was, right? Oh, this was just a dream or this was just this, or, you know, I had these visions just because I had fevers. It was the fever, right? Like, I would explain everything away. And then finally in my early twenties, my, um, my main guide, Andre, he, one day I was in the house by myself and he, um, he basically said I was folding laundry and he said, Jeanette, look down the hall. And I was like, like it was an audible voice. I was like, there's nobody in the house right now. 
right? And so panic, like total panic. And he's like, Jeanette, look down the hall, right? And I was like, oh my gosh. So I remember slowly like turning my head to look down the hall. And sure enough, he was standing at the end of my hallway, partially holographic, but you know, full man in military fatigues, um, t-shirt, combat pants. And my cat was sitting there in front of him. She is still alive, embodied, but she was sitting there and she was looking at him. And I remember that was a pivotal moment for me of like, she sees him and I heard him and I see him. I'm not crazy, right? Because I'd always battled like, am I making this up? Am I crazy? Am I not? And it would just go around and around. So that was a pivotal moment of change for me where I decided I was going to dive into this. I was going to learn everything I could. And I mean, like everything. And I dove into it. And, um, and it was during this time that, you know, I kind of transitioned out of singing and I finished my degree and, you know, I was doing the usual things, but this idea of mediumship just kept getting stronger and stronger. And I, I tried to still push it away many times. And my guides were kind of like, okay, we'll give you a little break. But of course they were back. And so then, um, by mid to late twenties is when I finally had had enough learning. I felt a willingness to step into the idea of bringing through messages for people, right? Being a medium or, you know, I was mentored. I did all the things and um, yeah. And so then fast forward to a decade and a half later. And what I do now is I, you know, through mediumship readings, but more specifically now teaching people how to open their own gifts. I do a lot of that. And, and my goal, like when you said the business that I'm in, right? The whole reason I decided to come back, yes, there was a family component. I have young kids. And of course, I remember wanting to come back for them and my family, but was also this real deep knowing of, I have to come back and share what I know, share what I've seen. Yes, I've had, you know, over a decade of communicating with spirits back and forth. I already believe in the afterlife. I already believe in spirits. I've seen proof of it, but there was something so different of being there like fully being there was vastly different than communicating or even peering into that world. Being there was totally different. And so that was one of the agreements I made with my guides that I would come back and talk about it and share. And um, so that's why I teach courses on, again, for people to open up their own gifts. And I also do this really fun cosmic consciousness circle where like we dive into some big expanded consciousness concepts once a month. So my role really in, in what I do besides readings is bring through concepts of consciousness and share them. And if they resonate with people, fabulous. And if they don't, that's okay. It's not an alignment of their journey, but it will be with somebody else. And so it's just me doing my part in helping to awaken humanity as you're doing and as many other people are doing, right? Like we're all here at this time right now to help increase an openness of thought. Beautifully, beautifully said all of it. Um, so I couldn't have, I couldn't have asked any questions. Um, you just answered it all basically without me even having to answer questions, ask questions is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on that note, um, I, I will go back and kind of, I'm probably going to backtrack a little cause I'll have questions mm -hmm. about the before times, but I would like to start to with now that you've kind of set us up for this, tell us about your near-death experience 
wherever mm-hmm. you want to start, however it's easiest for you to share this story. Yeah. So it's, um, there's so much more to the story. So I did end up writing a book about it. Um, but the main part was I had been, um, I was, I have dealt with period issues my whole life and what's got me. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what got me to the opportunity I'll say of the near death experience was severe hemorrhaging. Um, whatever they threw at me would not taper the hemorrhaging that I would have every month. So by the time I got to the point of having surgery, which was a routine surgery, uh, pretty simple surgery to just kind of stop that. Right. And, um, I was so weakened at that point, my body was so weakened. I was going into surgery and my mom who worked on a surgical unit for years was like, I remember a couple of days before she's like, I look at you and there is no way I would perform surgery on you. She's like, I don't, I, I don't know if you should do this. And I was just like, I'm going to do this just enough. Like I was so tired of people being like, oh, you're sick girl, this or that. And so I go in and I, you know, I'm on the gurney and they wheel me in and I'm having this like amazing excitement brewing and there's more details leading up to it, but that would take me so long to explain, but it's in the book. Um, but they wheel me in and I have this like sheer excitement and I've had surgery before and I'm not usually like high five in on my way into surgery. Right. And so when they go to knock me out or to, you know, give me the gas, um, I felt like I was standing at the top of a water slide waiting for the person to tell me it was my turn. I remember that feeling like, you know, that excitement when you're staring at the lifeguard and you're like, now, now that's how I felt. And I remember being like, that's interesting, you know? And so, so they knocked me out and I found myself, um, walking on this grass and I was walking on this most beautiful greenest grass with my bare feet. And I realized I could see each blade of grass if I wanted from where I was standing. I could just look and I could see it like up close if I wanted. Like my vision could just zoom in on it. And then I remember looking at the sky and it was like the most summer blue, like, you know, that perfect summer blue sky and the grass was so green. And I kind of looked up over to the side and then there was this big um, kind of summer barbecue picnic feel. And I could see the tablecloths and and I knew where I was. I knew I was on the other side. It wasn't like I, was, I knew I was in an astral travel. And, and that was something that was significant for me as I've done astral travel and I've talked to spirits, but I knew where I was. There was no denying where my wholeness was. Like I felt every part of me was there. And so I walked up and it was the most beautiful reunions I'd ever had with people from this lifetime um, that had passed. And then people from lifetimes before, like I was giving people hugs and they all gathered to welcome me. And it was like, we just picked up where we left off, even if it was past lifetimes, as if a couple months had gone by and it was amazing. And I remember spending so much time just reminiscing with people, like I just reminiscing with all these different souls and laughter and joy and like I get tingles still, like I'd never tire talking about it because it just brings it all back. And so I spent a bunch of time there, which felt like hours. Um, and then it was at that point that my grandmother who'd passed, 
um, she came and took me to kind of the next phase. And the next phase is where I ended up in this white room. It was this big white room with big windows and you could see galaxies on the outside, but it was like the edge of the universe is what it felt like. It felt like I was on the very reaches and reaches of the universe. And I had all my counsel around me and my Baba, I called her Baba. Um, and on this big white boardroom table, they rolled out these blueprints. And I remember looking at them and almost kind of giggling like, oh my God, they look like blueprints, like on earth, like what we have. That's what our life blueprints kind of look like. And I remember kind of finding it funny. But what was different was it was blue, just like our blueprints. But there was this long line down the center, this like iridescent kind of pulsing line. And that meant like I was still technically, like there was life there still. And so what we did is with my council, we reviewed everything I'd done up to that point until this juncture point I was at. And after we'd reviewed everything, that's when they asked me, do you want to stay or do you want to go back? And I was like, oh, um, well, yeah, I want to go back. And no part of me felt fear. I, I didn't feel like it was an ultimatum. I didn't feel like I couldn't go back. But I also realized how much I was allowed to stay. Like it was fully my choice in this moment. And, and I remember though, like I had no doubt that I wanted to come back. I remember there wasn't like, I wasn't deliberating on anything or pondering. Like I, I knew instantly I wanted to come back. And uh, that's when they'd said, okay, you can go back. Um, we will make sure that several things fall into place in rapid succession when you go back. And uh, so then what they said is they showed me my blueprint again and what was left, which looked around this long, like a, a foot-ish, maybe, maybe that's a foot. Uh, I don't recall the length I had on the other side. Like I, there's someone blocking me in my memory of it, right? So I can't see how long I'd been there. So what this foot is in reference to. So I don't know how long that represents me having left here, right? But they're like, now you can go and change some specific things in you want, if you want. And that's when I realized how true it is that we create, we co-create the blueprint of our lives of specific journeys we wish to take that are significant. We help create those. And then it's our free will that determines how we kind of meander them, right? And so in that moment, I was like, I can really do this. And they're like, yes, you've completed so much up till now. What would you like to change? So I remember pulling the very first one. It looked like a fuse from a fuse box. And I remember pulling it out and it was the one of chronic illness, right? Because I always was chronically sick with something, right? And so I remember pulling it out and being like, are you sure I can do this? And they're like, yeah. And so I remember I put it down and I put a different one in. And then I did that with several others. And they said, you will only have conscious memory of the first one, but you'll know these other ones when they come into play. And uh, yeah, so then I did that. And then they asked me one more time. They're like, are you sure you want to go back? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I want to go back. And, and so then the deal was kind of that, I say a deal, but I made an agreement and they were very supportive of with me coming back, I would step up and share. I would speak up about what I know because before I did mediumship and it was all by word of mouth. And, you know, I had lots of clients and I'd been doing it for a decade right but they're like more you need to do this next level kind of thing and and so I agreed and um and 
it was at that point that all of a sudden I could hear the nurse in recovery call my name and she said, Jeanette, are you awake? And this part happened within a span of seconds. But she said, Jeanette, are you awake? I felt myself go back into my body. I could still see my Baba, even though I didn't have my eyes open. And then this was the key part was I popped back into my body and my higher self came through because normally when I wake up from surgery, I am groggy and quite comical. Don't make sense. All of that. I clearly heard my higher self speak through me and say to the nurse, I need you to write something down. <laughs> I could hear this. I'm like, I need you to write something down. It's really important. I need you to write down these four phrases. Then I need you to fold the paper up and put it in my hand. And my eyes are closed this whole time, right? And, wow. and so she wrote these things that wouldn't really make sense to people, but I mean, I have it here. It's framed. Like this is the paper that she wrote oh, down. Wow. Um, and so I wrote, she wrote those things down, put it in my hand. And I remember I, I grabbed it and I held it here. And then she went on with her duties and pain meds and all that kind of stuff. And it was because had they given me pain meds before, I would have not received the whole experience and the vividness it was. And so what my higher self did was gave me those key words. And then uh, a couple of days later, once I was off pain meds and stuff, I remember I was like, now's the time. And spirit was like, now's the time. So I pulled it out of my little change purse and I read it. The minute I read those words, they were like key frequencies. The whole experience came flooding back in detail. And I just started writing. Like I just started writing and then my book came out. And it, and it was like, that was the first major step to sharing higher consciousness stuff of my own experience. And, and it's so true because I mean, elders of different communities and different shaman and different, um, even ascended masters and all they, all that, they, they always talk about the sharing of stories, right? It's not about telling people how to do things or telling people how to be, who to be, but it's like sharing of stories and people will take what they need from the story for their journey. And so that became the premise for my platform of my company and my book and my podcast is sharing of stories, sharing of consciousness for those that have the ears to hear it. Uh, I love that. And I actually, I'm glad you said that because I forgot to mention that you have a podcast. Oh, That's yeah. fantastic. And um, also tell us the name of your book. Oh, my book is called Avalon to Aurora. Okay. Avalon to Aurora. Yeah. There will be a link below. Yeah. Um, so that people know where to get it, but I just want to make sure to say it out loud also. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did you, were you no, going to say something say, about that? Yeah. For people that are like Avalon to Aurora, like what the heck? Um, that's also why my company is called Avalon Spirit is because there was a key point and it bears mentioning is um, a couple of days before my surgery, there was a moment where spirit came in, woke me up in the middle of the night and they were like, you need to remember this. And I was like, okay. Uh, and I was really sick at this point. And they said, what was to be Avalon is now Aurora. I was like, what? And they're like, remember it. And they said it several times. I'm like, I got it. I got it. And basically what it meant was what was to be the plan of me going to Avalon, crossing over heaven, afterlife, whatever your word was. And they chose the word Avalon was now to be Aurora. And Aurora was symbolic of a plan change on earth, a 3D game plan change. Like we're going to change the plan here. Right. And so that's why it's called Avalon to Aurora, because it was like a shift from crossing to potentially not. And they were giving me that heads up 
although I didn't fully understand it until after. So that's the stuff I find exciting is all of these things being revealed. One of my yeah. best friends is a near-death experiencer and she was saying a lot of things that happened during my NDE at the time didn't make sense. And she just said, and all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's all coming. I just got chills. Um, it's all coming together and I'm starting to see, oh, now I get it. And I'm so excited. Have you, well, I'm sure you'll have more, but have you already, this happened in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, have you already started to see some of the things falling together? Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, part of it was the creation of Avalon Spirit. Before that, I had my own independent uh, company called One Phoenix Feather. And then uh, it just aligned to partner with somebody that we could take it to the next level. And so that came in so fast. And these opportunities to speak about it literally came in two weeks later. I think two weeks after my NDE was an opportunity to speak to people about my NDE. And like, it just, so that was one of them. Then the podcast fell into place and started a couple months later. And, um, and then just the progression and then the progression with my guides, like the connection to spirit opened up even that much more after, which facilitated more channeling. Like there has been several things. Uh, apparently there's a few more in the wings, they say. So I, I'm not sure what those ones are yet. That's so exciting. Maybe I'll put it in your second book. Yeah, uh, that's what I hope. So. Uh, what I want to talk about first is the fact that I tend to see a lot of people who've had near-death experiences, either had a near-death experience prior to this or several, or like you, as children, there were already, you were already sort of be able to see beyond the veil and you were already communicating with spirit, even if you weren't quite aware of what was happening. Mm -hmm. And my theory, I want to hear yours, is you were put here to do this work. Your soul made this contract. Sometimes you need an extra nudge. When you had this surgery, did the doctor say you had flatlined? Did they tell you anything? Or was it more of an out of body? I mean, not, it doesn't matter, but I'm just curious yeah, to know. Yeah. 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 No, um, they, there was no clinical death. I didn't flatline. Yeah. Um, what spirit had told me was that I was weakened to such a degree that it was, they showed me like a light switch. They're like, if you want to stay, we just flick this and you'll have a heart attack and they won't yeah. be able to revive you. Um, so it was, I mean, I guess we could say it was more out of body yet. It was completely on the other side. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it, it, was, it was, um, it was all primed and ready. Yeah. It yeah. feels to me like it was spirit going, okay, it's time for us to go grab her and say, like you said, okay, let's level up what you're doing is great. This is nice. Thank you. But now mm -hmm. time to do the real work. This yeah. is going to be your bigger purpose, which I think is so interesting. Mm -hmm. When you were a child, what sort of experiences did you have in terms of seeing, sensing, experiencing spirit? And I also want to talk about, I just want to say this so I don't forget it. In your bio, it also talks about um, that you had sort of communication with fourth and 12th dimensions. So I'm really interested to hear, to talk about dimensions and mm -hmm. hear you explain that, but you can start kind of from wherever, like as a, as a kid, what were some of your experiences? So I was always pretty intuitive. Um, I would just kind of know things or ask my parents questions my mom said, she's like, you would ask sometimes the craziest questions for a kid of seven years old or a kid of five years old, or, or she's like, Anytime I would hide chocolate bars on the top cupboard or whatever, she's like, you would just know they were there. I couldn't hide stuff from you. So there was that kind of standard thing. But 
I had a really significant series of experiences that started when I was seven till about the age of 12 and a half. And so what would happen is once a year, I would have these fevers. I would, it would be, it would be like getting the flu and then I would fever, but I would have two fevers every time, two fever spikes and then um, an event. They didn't know what to call it. They thought at first it was seizures, but it wasn't seizures. They thought it was uh, this other word that I can't quite remember, um, where basically I would, my fever, this is the medical side, my fever would spike so high that I would go catatonic and freeze up like this, but my eyes wouldn't roll back, but I was looking through something um, for several minutes and then I would come out of it. And that would always happen twice, like one time it would happen, then 12 hours later would happen again, and then I would get better. Um, that's how they showed themselves in the beginning. Then towards the end, I would start having this experience, but instead of seizing up, I would actually be either like running around in circles or almost one time my parents were like, it looked like you were doing a tribal dance of some sort, but I would come to crying on one of my parents' laps. Like that's when I would come back and I would be crying and being rocked and be like, what just happened? So they could never figure out what that was. I spent a week in the hospital when I was eight, brain scans of every kind possible. They had no idea. They're just like, she has fevers and she will be fine by the age of 13, which they had no idea to say that either. Right. Um, so what spirit told me over time, this actually spirit gave me the explanation of exactly what this was about six months, I think before my surgery, before my NDE, I was in bed one night and all of a sudden they're like, you need to go downstairs and start writing. I was like, what? Like go downstairs. And I remember I grabbed this big white piece of paper, red pen. I just started writing. And they explained to me that during my fevers, what was happening is um, they would heat my body up so hot with the higher or with a heated body, everything was moving at a faster frequency. So I could, I could uh, download basically higher frequency information when I was heated and then it would come into my body and then it would stay dormant until a time in which it would be opened, which was after my NDE, right? And so in these fevers, when I would go into different state of consciousness, my experience was that I was pulled down to the deepest atomic levels of my being. My consciousness would shrink down to the size of being able to almost recognize the protons, neutrons, and electrons of my being. And then from there, I was expanded so fast out into the vast reaches of the cosmos. So I would see massive expansion and then massive contraction in receiving that consciousness. So basically what was happening is I was taking this big energetic download of consciousness and pulling it down into the atomic level of my being, which had to happen through being heated. And then it would just stay dormant until a time it could open. And so... Growing up, those experiences were terrifying. I would often start screaming at the top of my lungs in the middle of this experience of whether I looked catatonic or whether I was running around and jumping or whatever. I was screaming at the intensity of what was running through my body. But then every time I would just get better. And then like the doctor randomly said, without really knowing why, it would end when she was 13. And sure enough, when I was 12, the last time I had this experience, it was gentler. And I remember at the end, I came out of it and I'm like, I will never have another one of those again. 
Wow. And I had a knowing. And then, so a lot of that consciousness has been triggered in different points, starting when I really decided to open up my mediumship, right? At around the beginning of 20. Um, but then further catapulted open after my NDE. Yeah. So. That's, thank you for sharing all of that. It's really interesting how some people have NDEs and they're like, what is this? This has never happened. And it's like, you already knew. And I, and I think in your case, this NDE, OBE, whatever, it doesn't matter what it's called. It's the same mm -hmm. experience. And I know people mm -hmm. that have not died at all and had mm -hmm. what we would consider an NDE kind of experience. Um, you did know, you did have this knowledge. Um, it's so interesting too. I always think about when people talk about their counsel and in your case, the blueprints, like it's almost, well, it reminds me of Star Wars. And of course we now know that um, mm -hmm. George Lucas had and near, I, I believe, right? Like, I mean, I know that he, he like almost died, but I, I believe that the whole thing was sort of inspired by that at mm -hmm. least. Um, mm -hmm. And it feels like I'm just picturing that, like, it's so like weird and futuristic and it almost feels more like aliens than spirits. It's just so fascinating to me mm -hmm. what's really going on. And so when people talk about this is all a simulation, I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of feels like that's kind of what's going on. Do you have thoughts yeah. about that? Yeah, I think we are only, we're only breaking into a tip of the iceberg of what consciousness really is, yeah. right? I mean, we're just talking about third dimensional consciousness right now. We're talking about fifth dimensional consciousness, a bit more on the planet, but we're just tapping into that. I mean, there's such higher consciousness. There's um, some of the beings that are guides that I've talked a lot about on my podcast are the three guides of the light and they are 11th, 12th dimensional consciousness of light. They're not embodied. They don't need physical bodies or even ethereal bodies as we know them. They are light consciousness, consciousness in a photon of light, right? And so people are like, but how does that work? And so the higher we go in dimensional consciousness, the more there is. And so that's why I say like, we're just, we're stepping into the realm of awakening consciousness right now, right? Wow, yeah. Yeah. There's I feel so much that, I mean, more. I feel that so much. Um, and I also, there's. I have so many questions and thoughts. One is that I feel like there's spirit, like right now, not even I feel like, like there is somebody or something that is causing me to have like electric tingles on my scalp. And I was like, stop, stop. Like it's distracting me. And I, oh, and I just got overwhelmed with emotion right now. And I'm like, okay, some, I don't know what this is, but we'll figure it out probably. Um, as we go, I just had to say it to get it out there because it's yeah. like, like there's something there. Um, and I haven't felt that in, in a while. So yeah. um, that readily, but um, so yeah, so excuse my distraction. But um, one thing is that uh, the dimensions, I, I want to hear more about kind of your perception of what that means and, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, let's just start there. Yeah. So, we don't so end up rambling. there are, um, can I draw it? Yes. Okay. Because I think it. this will, this will make more sense if I draw it. Yeah. I have my little whiteboard here. Yeah. It's, it's class. We're in class. Right. Um, this is the best way I find I can explain dimensions without it being too wordy. Yeah. Um, okay. Hold on. I should have mm -hmm. erased this before. I apologize. Okay. It's okay. So if we take, um, okay. So Third dimensional reality, we can see almost like 
Uh, actually, we're going to see like a box. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to start here. Third dimensional reality is a box. We have a known way that we understand things, right? It fits in a box. It is known. So that's 3D reality. It's physical. It is already understood for the most part. It is known. Okay. Fourth dimensional reality is when we start to question what is real. We start to question the idea of the box. Sorry for my bad drawings. So yeah. And for size... any of those who are listening and not, well, first of all, you can see this on YouTube, but also this is more of a collapsed box. It looks like somebody squished it in the middle. Yeah. Kind of like an hourglass. Yeah. So fourth dimension is like the hourglass. The sides of the box start to break in on themselves and we start questioning the validity of boxed thinking. Okay. That's fourth dimensional reality. That's when we start having some experiences with spirit. We start having some metaphysical things, some intuitive insights come in here because they don't fit the box. Now what happens, we go from fourth, we get to fifth dimensional reality is when we realize there's true duality in the world. That's when we start to realize there is a feminine and a masculine. So now we have two triangles facing point to point. Two okay, pizza slices yeah. touching at the point. Yeah. So the box is now broken into two pizza slices. Mm -hmm. So this is when we start to realize duality. This is when we start to realize we have a light and a dark. This is when we need to recognize we have a shadow self and also the light self. We, this is where some people start to get stuck sometimes though in false positivity. They're only looking at the light and they're not embracing the shadow self. Um, this is when we can get into higher thought though, because higher thought does need to embrace light and dark. Higher thought does need to embrace higher consciousness. So then we move into six dimensional consciousness. And that's when we have the two that overlap each other, like a Merkaba or mm -hmm. kind of the Jewish star. Yeah. Right. So we see that it starts with a box and the box breaks itself down into duality, which then by six dimensional consciousness has a merging of masculine and feminine, a merging of light and dark recognizing that true embodiment is embodying all parts non-dualistically, but in a whole way. When we start to embody six dimensional consciousness, that's when we can start to really do some pretty fantastic healing modalities through thought consciousness. That's when we realize the power of that. So that's one way to explain dimensional consciousness. Basically, more simplistic form is each layer of a dimension vibrates at a faster speed. So third dimension to fourth dimension has like 3.0, 3.1, 3.2, 3.3, and so on, up to fourth dimensional consciousness. As soon as we are vibrating higher than 3D, we're stepping into the realm of 4D. That's when we can start to see spirits a little bit. Once we are vibrating higher than that, we can step into the realm of 5D and reach higher consciousness, higher beings of light, and so on. So dimensions really are simply separated by speed of frequency. That's really interesting. So if one wants to start experiencing the fourth, is the fifth attainable without dying? I mean, is it something Absolutely. you can reach through meditation? Yeah, and I was going to yeah. say, tell me, tell me some ways in which people can do that. So, or, or how they do achieve that. Yeah. So we actually naturally can bounce into those higher dimensions of consciousness when we are in a state of flow. So like when people are really moved by music and they're feeling music, they're not just listening, but they're starting to feel it 
through their bodies, they are naturally increasing their frequency. Other people do this through painting. Other people do it when they're creative writing. Um, anything that brings us into an energy of flow can bring us naturally into a higher vibration. That's where the body or the being, the soul actually feels better. So when the body relaxes enough and isn't so distracted by everything, it can raise itself into that frequency. Now, one thing to say though is fourth dimensional frequency when it just starts to happen is kind of like um, a highway, I like to say. It is filled with all kinds of frequencies just outside of 3D. So we ideally want to set our intent to go to 5D at least because 3D has pesky spirits in there. 3D has uh, warped energy sometimes as well. So if we're setting our intent, like if someone goes to meditate and they want to raise their frequency, um, as long as we're setting an intent in our heart space to go to 5D, to the light, to the energy of source, to whatever people's word is, to go higher than just simply dabble and muck around, um, you're going to get to 5D. If you're just wanting to dabble and muck around, play with a Ouija board, you're pulling energies from 4D, right? So your intent really determines the direction you're going. So 5D is very, very attainable. 5D is very attainable. People just need a uh, true intention in the heart space of higher consciousness, higher love, higher um, awakening. Yeah, I think so much of spiritual work is simply intention. Mm -hmm. um, even when I do mediumship, I start out a prayer just intending mm -hmm. that I'm going to receive communication from spirit and yeah. fitters highest and best and the highest and best of the spirit world and all of that. But it's, that's all it is. And it's, mm -hmm. it's like Susan Giesman says, it's something about like, when she teaches mediumship, she says, I just say, now shift just sh she just intends to shift and yeah. blend mm -hmm. some people say blend it's like okay I now choose just blend with me now and now we're in the shift mm -hmm. and so much of I just think so much of everything is really setting an intention yes. and it doesn't even have to be full of feeling a lot of the time um, although that does help I think do you do, would you agree that the, the feeling state really does help to kind of I think it yeah I think it does help for sure it helps to validate but again like the way that I explain dimensions or the way that I think or feel mediumship works is reflective of me, yeah. right? So it might not work for somebody else. Somebody else might not get feeling at all, but they get a knowing it's just there, yeah, right? And that doesn't mean it's wrong either, right? And I think that's an important thing to say too, is like with mediumship, every medium works a little bit different and there is no one right or wrong way. So the best thing I could say for people is to explore, right? Like what works best for you? Some are very dominant in feeling, right? And that really is like their grounding force in the rest of their communications where others, it's purely visual, right? Like they just get visual cues and for many it's multifaceted. And so I think it's really about trying different things and embracing the avenue that works for you. Just like meditation, sometimes meditation is great for some people like traditional seated meditation, Others can't do that, but they might get the most beautiful insights and downloads if they're painting. Right. Right. It's, it's so interesting to me because I, in LA, I was a music booker. And so I mm. knew a lot, a lot, a lot of musicians. And so moved to Virginia and 
one of my best friends came out on tour and she's with this amazing band. I'm going to shout them out here because why not? The Midnight, yeah. which is, a, they're called The Midnight. They're amazing. And my friend um, Tyler Lyle, who's the front, he's called front man. I don't know if they still do that. But anyway, they came out here and played and I hadn't seen, I've seen live music, but I, I, I was so just the spectacle of the lights and the crowd screaming and the crowd knowing all the words and the energy in the room. And I just started sobbing and could not stop crying the entire time. I did just lose one of my best friends, but it wasn't even, that. I mean, that came as part of it. Like it, yeah. it, it was part of it, but it started with that feeling of, I, I texted her after and I said, this is like, I said, the feelings that music gives us. I said, I believe music is divinely inspired anyway, as is all art that comes mm -hmm. through you. And I said, it doesn't even have to be, not all music is, is well done, but I think that the beat and the feeling and the rhythm, that's something that comes from the other side. And you'll hear people with N mm -hmm. who have NDE say, I heard music like I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. And I said, I really think it's divinely inspired. And um, at one point in the set, Tyler said, look, music unites, music mm -hmm. connects, mm -hmm. music lifts us up, music. And I, I just have I just can't even explain like the chills that were going through my body and the the tears that just wouldn't stop pouring and it was because I was moved it was I was yeah. so moved by look at these amazing talented people coming together to create mm -hmm. this sound and these harmonies and this complex like organization of sound mm -hmm. and then all these people come here and they're screaming because they're so moved it's it's like there's something so much it's 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 otherworldly to me. And mm -hmm. so I really believe what you say about, about, yeah, if it's painting, if it's music, if it's something coming from your soul, that yeah. makes so much sense to me. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I agree with you so much about music though, specifically like music I find is the most, again, for me, um, mm -hmm. the most quick tuning frequency changer, right? Mm -hmm. Like think about how, if we listen to a really happy or a peppy song or we all have a song that helps us change our mood, right? Yeah. We all have one, at least one. And think about that. That's frequency. That's rhythm, helping you shift your frequency to merge. So I find one of the easiest ways too, for a lot of people in reaching higher frequencies is music. If you're listening to music that picks you up and brings you into joy, joy is one of the highest frequencies, right? So a, the most simplistic way to raise your frequency is listen to music that brings you joy, like joy through your heart that moves you, right? Like that just like inspires and moves. Music is such an amazing earthly tool that we have. It's so true. I start every mediumship reading. I know you don't have to. I like the ritual because I'm more new to it than you are. And I always play the same YouTube video. It's Awaken Your Third Eye Immediately. And it's, I think it's by Ta Taos Winds. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, it has a little bit of a, a little chime in the beginning. And the second the chime goes off, I the spirit comes in. It's, and yeah. it's, that's probably also just because that spirit knows that when I hear that song that I'm ready to work. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's, it is, it's, it's said, awaken your, your third eye in five minutes. That's what it's called. Mm -hmm. And um, if you want to look it up, it almost looks like an x-ray of a chest or something on the, on the visual, on the thumbnail, but it's this music that just something about it gets me to my bones and immediately starts to give me spiritual feelings. And so that's my little tool, which mm -hmm. I can do it without, I'm sure, but I'd rather, it yeah. just helps me get there. 
which just yeah. kind of helps me get there quickly. And I think that's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You also talked about these beings being pure light and we, I assume are included in that. Um, and what's so fascinating is that I've talked about this before, but when I was like 14, a big ball of light came to me when I turned off the light in my bedroom, I was not asleep. I was not sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I never hadn't touched alcohol or drugs yet in my life. And I just turned the light off and this gigantic, well, I say gigantic, like tennis ball size, yeah. Yeah. bright glowing blue orb just appeared over my bed and started zipping across the room. Like first it was sort of like curiously looking at me and then it just zipped across the room a few times and then just shot up and was gone. And I got chills again. And um, I love to talk about that because I've had people tell me different things, but I'm always like, was it an alien? Was it a spirit? Was it spirit guides? Um, And I know no one can necessarily say for sure, but what's your experience or understanding of that? Or what, what do you think that was? Yeah. Um, it, it could be any of them, honestly. Um, I see orbs like that often. Do you, so yeah. Naked eye? yeah, I do regularly at nighttime. Um, several times a week, they come hang out when I'm watching TV before bed and there's often a blue one, a purple one, sometimes a red one, and then lots of different white ones. And they, they'll move around. Um, they can be spirit. They can be like spirit of loved ones. To me, loved ones usually come through as a white. Again, these are just things that work yeah. for Jeanette's brain. Usually white ones is a spirit of uh, a loved one, somebody I know that's crossed. Blue is usually um, higher consciousness. So that could be like an ascended master or it could be light beings. And light beings is my term for aliens. People sometimes yeah. freak out at the word alien. So I coined, I didn't coin, but I was like light beings. Um, but yeah, aliens don't have to necessarily embody. A lot of them can project aspects of their consciousness to us in the way that we would see spirit, but they're embodied somewhere else that they can ex- uh, extend their consciousness to us in the form of an orb and of light, right? So they're not limited to, there's many that are interdimensional is what other, some other people call them, where they can change their form at will to ha- how it's needed. Um and then, of course, there's times it can be light consciousness, even higher consciousness than what we're aware of. So, I mean, for you, it could have been any of those. Yeah. And I would imagine there's more that are around you regularly anyway. But that, like, to have such a vivid experience at that age is so very cool. So very I know. Cool. And I always ask them to come back because I'm like, oh, if I'd known what it was, instead of getting, like you know, I screamed and my mom came down the hall because I screamed mm-hmm. for my mom. Um, and she's like, oh, your eyes are just playing tricks on you. But it wasn't. And yeah. she believes in this stuff, but I think she just didn't. Maybe yeah. she didn't think that's what it really was at that time. But it does feel to me more like it was sort of like they were showing themselves to me. And this is another, a medium told me this once too, that they just kind of wanted to go sort of like your near-death experience. I'm just going to put place this here and we'll come back to it in whatever, mm-hmm. 25 years, just yeah. placing it here so that if you ever doubt, mm-hmm. it's a reminder that we are here and you, and you all, all you have to do is go back to that moment and say, well, then what was that if it's not real? Yeah. Um, Cause they knew I would struggle with self-doubt, which, or, or just doubt in general, because it seems so fantastical, mm-hmm. but also why this podcast is called magic is real is because yeah. guess what it is. And that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and so what do you think is the reason that they want us to have people like you tell us about what's going on there rather than just sort of letting us 
figure it out ourselves in this life because I believe and I'd love to hear your thoughts. This is earth school. We're here to learn. We're here to learn to do better. Um, but obviously a lot of people just aren't getting that message uh, clearly. So mm -hmm. I'd love to hear what you know or what you think about why they do want us to know. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with um, how we are kind of slated at this time for humanity on earth to ascend, yeah. right? So, I mean, Gaia herself, like the planet consciousness of the earth has ascended. It has, it holds a higher frequency. Now it's the humans on earth as a collective that need to hold a higher collective frequency also. And so I think there's many people over the last couple of years that have been awakening, right? Like light bulbs going off and various forms, various levels, but more need to awaken. And in this higher state awakening is the knowledge of other beings, other realms, and the connectivity of all of it, right? But people need to be gently shown stuff. If things are revealed too fast, the mind can't handle it. And I've had experiences where, you know, I had these three beings, or uh, I called them my monks. They showed up as monks first with these hoods years ago. And when I first was introduced to them, I was like, oh, show me who you are. Like, where's your face kind of thing. And, and they're like, we're not going to show you who we are yet because you will not be able to handle it. And, you know, I think I was being a bit cocky back then because I was like, no, no, I can handle it. And they're like, no, you need to get to know us first. So we spent around three months getting to know each other. They would tell me things, teach me things. Uh, they would happen or I would be able to prove like they made their I they were able to teach me enough things that I trusted them very much and then finally came the day where they took their cloaks off and I realized it didn't look entirely human and even though they warned me of this they spent three months teaching me things um you know bringing up my own consciousness when it came to the point of seeing what they were and because that didn't fit my box reality at the time my brain was like not possible. And I got mad. I was like, thank you. You just broke me as a medium. And now I'm not a medium anymore because now I just went crazy. Thanks so much. Like I was mad, right? I was yeah. like, that was not fair because I couldn't embrace it into my realm of reality at that time. And, you know, now they're a regular part of my crew and it's all fine, but the brain, the human mind in 3d has certain limitations imposed upon it by design and even societal design. So for aliens or all these beings or for the veils to completely drop and people seeing spirits everywhere, um, you know, like we do, that is such an overload for the brain, yeah. for the human consciousness. They have to like trickle it in more and more and more or give us those reference points like you had. So the brain has time to rewrite what it believes is possible and slowly start bending that box, right? Like bending it or changing the shape of it. And so I think we're going to see a lot more of that. We're already seeing more disclosure things about UFOs and aliens. Um, but even in the world of spirit, mediumship, and I'm sure you're recognizing this too, mediumship is not as taboo anymore. It's yeah. not so weird to talk about seeing spirit. I talk about yeah. it all the time. Yeah. And like people are like, oh, that's cool. And I have very few people go, that's interesting. And I... Mm -hmm. I'm also careful who I say it to, but I, yeah. I find more people than not are like, oh, cool. Tell me about that. Exactly. And so, you're nuts. Yeah, exactly. And so we're seeing a faster and faster shift or a shift of people being more open to it. Yeah. So that means we will also have more people having more experiences now. 
right? Because they're going to start kind of opening the tap a little bit more of what is out there, what is possible. Again, all of this to support us awakening as a collective of humanity. Yeah. And that's what I wonder, sort of, is there like one big end goal? Well, all of us somehow magically will become enlightened and ascended and we're all, we all get it, which seems impossible at this point. But, um, and then one day that the earth will just explode and then we'll all go to the other side and just be like light beings for the rest of time. Yeah. Or, you know, it, it, I mean, it seems like that would take billions of years at this yeah. point, but um, what do you think is possible or what do you think the end sort of goal is, or what do you know the end yeah. goal is? Well, some of the things that I've been shown from my guides um, from different galaxies and stuff is their desires to help humanity ascend and grow because they've already gone through that collective level of ascension from three to 5D, right? So they are helping it's, um, humanity to grow because humanity is slated to step up, right? We can't go backwards. We can't redo anymore. It has to step up. So there's a big push and a big focus on having that happen. And then when we do, when we reach this 5D level, 6D level, humanity will then help other places, other worlds, because they will be more ascended. Now, does a 5D ascended collective mean perfection? Not at all. Even in five-dimensional consciousness, six-dimensional consciousness, there is learning, right? So souls, even in a collective, are still needing to learn and grow at the next level. Right, just like someone in grade eight um, knows a lot more than someone in grade six, but someone in grade twelve knows much more. But then you take an adult who's sixty talking to the person in grade twelve; it's a huge difference, right? So we will always be growing through whatever level of dimension we're in, but in general, humanity is slated to step up so that we are not purging the planet of resources and goods and um, basically, 3D consciousness for humanity has gotten stale, right? It's not helpful anymore. And that's why we're seeing a lot of things being exposed. The amount of exposures we're seeing on planet right now in society, in governments, in uh, whatever you want to angle it at, we have more light shining on the shadow pieces, which exposes more, which makes it feel ickier. But for us to now be able to see it as a collective, things can be changed to shift out what is no longer hidden. That and that's so much needed sense. for shift. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that's what my friend Brooke said, Brooke Grove, who a lot of people know um, that she was leaving me this voicemail and I ended up transcribing it. Cause I was like, that just blew my mind because mm -hmm. that's what she does. She leaves vo voice memos that I'm like, that's that right there is a whole like Ted talk, but we'll just, I'm just grateful. She shares them with me. So yeah. one of the things she said is, okay, we're at war. We're in this pandemic, you know, there's this horrible pain, suffering, war stuff happening. But she said, actually what's happening is like the light is coming to the surface. It's actually, I mean, she didn't say it. She said it way more poignantly than that, but it was like, this is when the light workers are the most needed. This is when they're yeah. It's sort of like after a rainstorm, like all the worms are coming out from under the ground, like, but we're actually coming out like to help as helpers and healers and that sort of mm -hmm. thing at a time when it's needed most because it's exposing it is the darkness, which yeah. none of us, we can't ignore it anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you said, we can't, we can't just be like, everything's great. There's no denying that everything is not great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and in fact, on that note, I want to ask, cause I think 
so many people, including myself, feel helpless to do anything. Um, mm -hmm. It's like, what can I do? Can I send money to Ukraine? How is that going to, how's that going to solve this? How, mm -hmm. what can I, you know, what can I do? And I want to know what you think we sort of collectively can do. Those of us who just can't go over there and, you know, or, or have, get, get people out so that they can come stay with us. Like, how do we, how can we actually make a difference from a, from a spiritual perspective? Mm -hmm. I think one of the important things to remember is um, what we do in our own world and the frequency we carry in our everyday has an effect on the collective frequency, right? So for those that are able to physically do and help, then they can physically do and help something, right? Like say people in Poland, they can physically help those in Ukraine coming to the other, like they can physically do something. Those of us that are here, and if we use Ukraine as an example, falling into energies of despair and fear lowers our frequency. So that doesn't mean we become ignorant to what we're seeing or turn a blind eye, but we can see what we're seeing or, you know, whatever that is, but then hold a higher frequency of conscious choice right? The more intentional we are, the more conscious we are in the things we choose to do, how we choose to interact, how we choose to be on this planet creates a ripple. And if everyone is working on what their ripple creates, that makes a massive ripple that then ripples and creates a tipping point for the collective, right? So I think sometimes we think we have to do something so much more, but we don't, we don't realize the value of how much our singular ripple can affect the collective. So it's kind of that idea of like, what can you do? You can shine your light, meaning you can be your brightest self. That doesn't have to be false positivity bright, but it just means like, know yourself, know who you are and encourage other people to know themselves and know who they are. And then people can work not only for the I am principle of the who am I, but the we are principle of who are we now? Now that I know who I am, who are we together? Right. And yeah. so I think that's what we're kind of stepping into a little bit. So I agree with you. And I know sometimes I've heard people say, Oh, thanks for your prayers. Like that doesn't mean anything. And I actually said to a friend once in the most loving way to those who believe in prayer, it is doing something. And I know if you don't believe in it, I understand it sounds trite. Mm -hmm. And it, but like you said, it, I am very careful about making, I, I'm very careful about not wanting it to sound like, toxic positivity or denial, like, oh, I'm just trying to absolve myself of any uh, responsibility. So I'm just going to mm -hmm. sit over here with my crystals and pray. But I personally, truly, I don't watch the news anymore at all. Um, after the, after the last, you know, five years, I just was like, this is just toxic to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm of no use to anybody. If I'm in a negative headspace, if I'm feeling anger and I'm feeling fear, I'm in a much better place when I can release as much anxiety as possible and focus on raising my own vibration and doing good work yeah. within my own inner, you know, within my own, not only inner world, but also around me. And, and I think that it, because to me, I think it does matter. I think it really does collectively lift us up. Yeah. It doesn't immediately solve what's happening now, but I think I can't really do something to stop what's happening personally. I'd mm -hmm. rather stay here and yes, I will pray mm -hmm. because I think prayer actually works Yeah, um, and not in the sort of trite sense, but I really believe in putting that energy out. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. important. 
So I love hearing you say that as well. Mm -hmm. And um, what other, when you do your spiritual work uh, with clients, for example, I know you do mediumship work, but um, what kind of ways do you help other people to sort of, what's the goal, I guess, in, in coaching other people spiritually, for example, um, mm -hmm. I, is that something that I, I would, you would say you do, is that correct? Yeah. It, it's, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Like what is the, sort? yeah, what's sort of the aim of, um, what is it that you help people achieve? Yeah. So the most, um, my, okay. First of all, my aim is not to convert or convince anyone by any means. Uh, I am fully supportive of people either on a spiritual journey of expansion or a conscious journey of expansion, me too. right? Yeah. Same to me, it's same, same, but whatever. Um, the simplest way I can explain what I really brought back from the other side was conscious choice. Conscious choice is our greatest gift on this planet. We have this like deeply embedded law, if I could say it that way, of free will as human beings. Our free will gives us the ability to have conscious choice. And when we are conscious, when we are conscious of why, like, why am I making this choice? What is triggering me or what is supporting me in making this choice? okay, I'm going to make this choice. Now I'm going to move forward. Now what's the next thing, right? Like when we simplify it to conscious choice, we then start living in greater alignment with our own energy, our own soul's path, our own blueprint, our desired uh, direction. Conscious choice is our greatest gift. So what I like to help people do is realize that yes, there's certain things that you planned in your, in your blueprint for life lessons. But don't get hung up on the life lesson part. What are you consciously doing as a result of it? And then you can start moving on to the next one or, you know, changing it. I mean, I got to go to the other side and change mine. So that doesn't mean nobody else can. You don't have to have an NDE to change your outcome. If you're done with a lesson, it is no longer needed. Right. Right. So conscious choice is our greatest gift. And when we realize that, we realize the manifestors we are on this planet with using our energy, we can create the reality we want. And that's not a utopia reality. It doesn't change everyone else's reality, but the perspective that we live by through our own conscious choices creates a different reality. And that was going to be my next question. So <laughs> are you psychic or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, because you talked about this, this might be a little bit of a different thing, but when you had your NDE, the council asked you, or said, what things do you want to change where you took out the chronic illness? And I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. You know, I'm yeah. endometriosis and migraine oh, sufferer. And like, yeah. I was like, oh, if I could just take that thing out and also take out, uh, you know, the spotless mind style, like take out some stuff I did like yeah. 18 <laughs> right. years ago, Let's just erase all of 2008, yeah. 2009, please. And just totally do it over again. But, yeah. but then I wouldn't be where I am today. So when they said, you can take this out um, and there will be other things, then you'll know that really brought my mind to manifesting because everyone knows that's who's been listening, that that's a huge thing in my life and it's changed my life. Mm -hmm. It's why I kind of don't worry about anything anymore. I just mm -hmm. don't let anything ruffle my feathers because I'm like, oh, it's, it's all good. I'll yeah. figure it out. But I'd love to know sort of, I know that was a little different because they were mainly saying you can sort of change your path by going back to the other realm or, um, mm -hmm. but how can, what do you, what are your thoughts on that principle in general, when it comes to manifestation and how we are co-creators? Yes. Before we come here, 
where we say, this is the experience I want to have, although then you have free will, but how can we still be conscious creators in this life? And how can we alter sort of our own reality? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, my guides talk about that all the time. They're always saying like consciously co-create with us. And it's something I talk about on my podcast a lot is like when we make a choice, when we consciously choose to take a step, the universe will step with us. Yeah. So if we're choosing to step in the not so great direction, the universe is going to step and meet you there and give you that same lesson. If we're taking the, if we're veering left and going through the lesson again, the universe will be there and it'll help supply the lesson. If we are going to take the turn to the right and be like, you know what? I don't need that lesson. I recognize my pattern. I'm going to do something different. The universe will match us and co-create to the right. So I completely agree that we are constant co-creators in the choices we make all the time. And so we can manifest our reality and we can co-create our reality with the universe because it is always listening. It's always responding to the frequencies that we put out. So yeah, hundred percent. That was one of the best ex explanations of it I've heard. Mm. Um, because I think it's the idea of meeting the universe where the letting the universe meet you where you are by sort of lifting yourself up and choosing the higher path in terms of mm -hmm. fulfilling your soul's purpose, making healthy choices, being kind and all of the things that the universe supports because the universe supports us doing what's in our highest and best good and what's in the highest and best good of those around us. Mm -hmm. So, um, and obviously it's in, manifestation interests me in the sense that there's this idea that we can also sort of change the behavior of others around us because we are the God of our reality, which is one of the principles that people talk about. Not that we are God. Well, we, we are God. I mean, we're all part of the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd love to hear what you say about that too, just in terms of everyone has free will. And if it's not in their highest and best good, like if we want them to do something that's not in their highest and best good, that's not, that, that probably won't happen. Do you under, I don't even know exactly. Like, do you what mean question. like, can we affect somebody else's free will? Yeah. Like sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, you know, my partner is being really difficult and they'll say, oh, you can manifest your partner to behave a different way. Um, by oh, I see. sort of putting yourself yeah. in this different state of mind where you envision them healthy, you envision them loving, you envision them. And in that sense, you might be able to change because it's that whole idea of everything is you pushed out, which I don't even still understand to this day, that exact mm -hmm. phrasing. Mm -hmm. um, but I just think it's an interesting concept to explore. And I don't even know what my question is. I just kind That's of wonder okay. what you think about it. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I think we can have an influence by example yeah. to other people. Like we can influence another person by the example we lead. Um, I think if we are pressuring or pushing anything, then we turn into an energy of manipulating somebody else's yeah. things. If someone comes to us with questions, then we can provide an option. But I think to me anyway, at this point, who knows, maybe a couple of years from now, it'll change. But I think at this point, um, we can't necessarily intervene on somebody else's free will. I mean, we can overstep, but then we're stepping into their journey, which their journey really has nothing to do with our journey. And if they're meant to hit a big roadblock, they're going to hit the roadblock. The choice comes for you. If you can see that, do you want to be there with them in the hitting of that? Or do you want to wait on the side or veer to the right? 
That's very well said. And I think, yeah. I think my question pertains to people in your life that might be addicts or whatever, where it's like, mm -hmm. you envision them healthy, you want them to be healthy. You can't force them to do that. But can your energy perhaps somehow, you know, if you just keep picturing it for them. It can um, help. Yeah. It can help it, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Energy speaks so loud. It can definitely help. Um, but I think we have to know when we can't overstep or we can't yeah. force a change that is not ours to make. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's their path that they need to go through and that that mm -hmm. was their soul contract. So yeah. yeah, that makes so much sense to me. And what is that after having all this contact with the other side as I don't even know if that's what we should call it, but, um, there, okay. One question is how do we know, like how many dimensions there are, or how do you know, how, mm -hmm. how were you, um, informed of this information and what does it mean? Is it like when we go to the other side, when we cross over, are there levels that we go to, is it one by one, like a ladder, or are there some people that shoot up to level six? Um, mm -hmm. how does that work? So dimensions, as I've come to understand them, we can explain it in a linear fashion, Kind of like I was saying, like you have 3.0, 3.1, right? And I can yeah. explain it linearly, but dimensions aren't linear. Yeah. Right. So like fifth dimension, when I was shown fifth dimension one time, it was like, there was like a box, but then there was diagonals, but then there was like curvilinear energies. Like it wasn't linear. So I still struggle to explain that. Yeah. Um, so dimensions are around us all the time separated by frequencies so it depends on which frequency we're in that we can perceive a particular dimension so that's why even like the other side isn't necessarily another time or place it's right. here but in a different frequency yeah right so it's a hard one to like i still don't know how to explain it in a way that makes sense to the brain uh without taking it off course because it's yeah. not linear um but in terms of how I've seen dimensions, um, I am aware personally of 12 dimensions because I've been, I've either communicated with beings from those higher dimensions that drop down to kind of where I could meet them, uh, or I've seen up to that dimensional level. People talk about more dimensions than that. I just personally haven't seen past 12th dimension. Um, so I, I can't say I've read people that say there's only 13. Some right. say there's only nine. Some say there's like 130 something. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, to be honest. So yeah, I don't think any of us will know till we really get yeah. there. Maybe not even then. But yeah. that's what I find interesting too about uh, mediumship. And I've even said I'm still stunned. Look, maybe like 20% of the time, mediumship doesn't work for me when I intended to. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning, and I, I'm just saying that loosely, like, sometimes I'm like, I don't know why I just can't do it today. I don't know what the thing is. Is it my energy? Is it, you just don't need a message today? Is it because you're also a healer or, you know, you're also mm -hmm. privy to this information. They're like, we don't need to go through her. Cause we already talked to her directly, but I would say like, yeah, about 80% of the time people talk about it. Like we're tuning into a radio station, which I agree. That makes sense to me mm -hmm. that we're putting our, our mind into whatever theta delta whatever state it is yeah. that allows yeah. us to tune into that frequency and sometimes i'm just right there and i'm like oh my gosh the information is just bam 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 coming to me and it's really difficult for me sometimes to just always get there consistently like how do i guarantee that every time i can reach that level and i think the answer is 
you just can't sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, some people can because they're just naturally attuned. But for me, it's like, there are just times where I can do a reading and I'm all of a sudden I, I feel the spirit and I'm like, oh, here they are. They're ready to work. And I'm just talking, 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 and I'm getting names and circumstances. And then other times I'm like, I feel like I'm not quite there. And I think that's tapping into different dimensions. I've even said, I can't even promise you people I'm talking to dead people. All I know is I'm getting information from somewhere. So is there like a parallel universe where I'm picking up on an alternate reality? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I believe it's speaking to spirit, but because there's too much evidence for me not to believe that. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know where, what I'm tapping into. I just know that I know things that I couldn't know. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's so interesting. So if you have anything to elaborate about that, yeah I mean I think that's a very valid experience I've had those times too where like I go in and there is nothing yeah um but there's so many reasons for why those things can happen so from my experience there's times where like you said the person is not meant to have a message that day like there is I usually see a black curtain if they pull a black curtain it's like sorry no no entry right at least you get the black curtain so you know yeah (laughs) yeah um other times though, is sometimes like if a spirit's really high vibratory, say they cross over and say they land in seventh dimension, just yeah. for the sake. And then I pop my energy up into fifth dimension. They're trying to lower their energy for me to match their energy. And if I can't for that day, if I can't get higher than 5D for whatever reason, and they can't get lower than 7D, well, then we're a whole dimension away. So they may be able to pop down quick, or I might be able to pop up quick, which is kind of like, equivalent I say to like holding a chin up you can only do it for so long Mm -hmm. that's when we get like snippets of stuff yes because it can't create a link like a clear link and so it's like popping in and out sometimes that happens sometimes even a spirit who has never really communicated before they crossed over they're trying to communicate back but they never have so they don't know even how to communicate without the way they did in 3d and they're still connected to how they embodied in 3d not that their body they're connected to, but they're like, I used to have a mouth and arms and hands. Now I'm energy and they don't realize they can communicate in different ways. So sometimes that's the reason, right? Like there's many different reasons. Cause like you said, we're tapping into something so vast yeah. that it's, I think it's just a matter of time and practice that you start to figure out things. Like for me, the curtain after a while, I was like, oh, black curtain means no information today, no entry. Right. right? And so that's so validating too, as as a medium yeah. to hear, because I yeah. think it's sort of, it's sort of like inside baseball talk, but how we have those days where we're like, mm-hmm. am I losing it? And then you start to go, should I be doing this? Maybe yeah. I'm not good at this. Maybe the <laughs> yeah. last time it was all just a fluke. Maybe I totally. got lucky. And then I keep doing more and more and more readings to like prove to myself that it's real. And I'm like, well, what point do you stop? Like I've, yeah. at what point do you officially say just because 20% of them didn't mm-hmm. land 80% is enough evidence for for you. Exactly. Cause I keep trying to prove to myself, all right, let's just test one more time. Like, mm-hmm. oh no, it happened again. And I think it also has to do with how, as you said, the other day I did a reading for this woman and immediately I said, where we were supposed to do a practice exchange. And I just said, you know what? Normally I do a whole routine beforehand. They didn't even let me start meditating. They just started mm-hmm. to immediately give me full body tingles and names. And, sh- and I said, I'm not even going to ask who wants to go first. Cause I'm just telling you your whole family is here. And she was like, this happens every time, oh, which is so, so validating. Funny. And then I'm yeah. just like, I had names and I had, and I just have never had such a strong connection, but mm-hmm. it was, it was us meeting in the middle where her, she said, my loved ones are just, I was like, I can 
tell. They mm-hmm. are so good at this. And mm-hmm. those are the times where you're like, thank you. But I think that is so interesting how it is about tuning into a certain frequency and lining up with it. And some days, you know, I have a migraine or I just have other stuff on my mind or their energy is kind of weird or any, it could be anything. And it feels good to hear that too, that that happens to the best of us. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're still human, uh, figuring out how to best do what we do, right? Yeah. And we're not going to get it perfect every time. And I think if we always expect that, um, yeah. not that, I mean, we never walk into a reading being like, whatever, right? right. Like we want to oh, be yeah. able to provide obviously, but, um, there's just days that it just doesn't work and that's okay. Yeah. That's and okay. I always have to say, it's not about you. It's not yeah. about you. What? Stop it. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And what is it that you want? This is a broad, this is a broad question. What is it that you would like people to know generally just after your near-death experience and with all the work that you do, what do you want humanity to know? Mm. Um, to make the most of this life here. Because I remember the moment of when they asked me, like, do you want to go back? And I remember the view or the perspective I had as the soul, which was entirely me, but a little bit different than me talking to you here. Cause me here is a human. Um, and that sounds funny, but I remember the soul perspective was all like bliss and joy and the bigger picture. And I was like, yes, yes. I want to go back. But from that perspective, what it taught me was how much the soul, each and every one of our souls values the fact that we're here as a human right now. It's the human that gets in the way and is like, what the hell am I doing here? Part of yeah. my language, but like, what the heck? Why am I here? I don't understand this place. When I got to experience that soul perspective, I, that's why I was like, I don't want to give up on what I've already accomplished. I want to keep going because that was so worth it there's more I can do. And so I think if I could leave anyone with one thing is make the most of your life here. Even if you feel you've been wasting up until this moment, right? If it's up until this very moment, someone listening feels like I've been wasting my life. Well, now is the moment you can choose not to. And now is the moment you can start to find your alignment, find what is calling you, and then act on the things that are calling you. Your soul is calling you to something because it came here to wish to experience, learn, grow in some form. And if you're willing to follow that, when you cross, you will cross with this sense of completion. And you'll be like, ah, I made the most of that human life. That's where I want to end it. Cause I think that's beautiful. But just before we go, I just want you to share anything. Um, I will have your links below, but mm-hmm. share your, anything you have coming up, anything you want to share, um, mm-hmm. services you provide any, anything at all. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. So um, everybody, if, if there's such a draw to connect with more that I do, um, people can check out avalonspirit.com. And on there, um, we have several different practitioners of mediums, healers, astrologers, shaman, all vetted by me um, to help people expand their journey. Because again, I don't think everyone's spiritual journey is through mediumship. For some, it's through astrology. Some, it's past life regression, right? So there's many avenues to explore there. Uh, for me specifically, if people want to connect in what I'm doing, they can uh, check out my cosmic consciousness circle. Again, that's that once a month we meet where we deep dive into cosmic stuff, like out of the box, we are bending that box and like rolling it up into a ball, right? I'm super interested in that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Um, so that, and also my light worker mentorship circle, um, I have a level one and level two, and that's where I teach people how to open to their gifts and abilities. I kind of explain it like I've done a lot of journeys of mediumship connecting to spirit. So I will help you pack your metaphorical backpack. I'll show you the things you need, the way they work, and then you can decide what works for you, toss it, pack it, whatever, but I'll help you get going. And then you can go on your journey and figure it out. So if people want to expand their, um, their own connection to spirit, that's a great option. And then lastly, um, my podcast, the Jeanette Viral podcast, which is on YouTube as well, or on the regular podcasts. Um, it's another great avenue like you're doing of sharing stories of consciousness and thoughts from my guides and insights and stuff like that. I'm going to be binging it because I already started and I was like, oh, oh yeah, thanks. I like this. This is really good. <laughs> and I, I, I like a lot of these, but because I do it as well, yeah. I don't necessarily have time anymore. This I got into it because I was the one that was binging it all, but I have several that if I have time, I binge. One is I'm going to give a shout out to Michael Sandler, Inspire Nation, because I love that show. But mm. honestly, I like what you're doing a lot. And I'm excited to like really delve into it because it's a little it's it's a little different from what I do every day. Yeah. And I I think um, it's so many people have so many great voices and great guests. And I could listen to I could just spend all day um, oh, doing this. Fabulous. But I thank you. I'll so have much. to have you on. I would love I would to have you love on that. Yeah. I would absolutely love that. And yeah. I just want to thank you so much for showing up, for bringing your light and your energy and for helping to raise consciousness and just offer the um, offer, offer the suggestion to even if somebody isn't necessarily a believer, I think it is interesting to spark a conversation and just put the idea out there. And one of the other things is that everyone I have on here I vet too, because I want, I think that you were chosen for a reason because you're not cuckoo. Like, <laughs> you know, the people I have are very grounded, authentic, yeah. normal, approachable people. And I think that helps to break the stigma of the woo-woo. Um, if we speak to people in a way that they can understand and we're not mm -hmm. speaking from some like weird ethereal place that they're like, what are you talking about? So um, thank you for bringing that authenticity and that groundedness to a topic that is considered to be a little off the wall, but I think by continuing to, to show that people like you are, are fully in it, um, that it isn't weird. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be something you can't relate to. It can be very accessible. So thank you so much for being here and, um, look forward to hearing more from you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure.